Hello and welcome to another edition of the Main Streets Podcast. I'm William Galloway and next to me is my partner Britton Johnson here on the podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Britton, happy Sunday, happy AFC NFC Championship. Uh, go Bengals and go Eagles. How are you doing today? I'm good. Interesting choice in with the Bengals. Uh, well, we'll get into that in a second. But, you know, obviously coming off a rough Saturday of hoops in the state of Alabama. Um, but we're here for you guys. And and we do it anyways. Uh, and so we are here for you on this Sunday to recap uh, the last couple of weeks of uh, Sanford and Bama hoops. Yeah, uh, lots going on. Sanford 8-2 and two in conference play currently, riding a two-game conference play losing streak after dropping two on the road this week, 14-9 and nine overall. The Crimson Tide 18-3 and three overall, still a perfect 8-0 and oh in conference play. So we'll start with Sanford, and then we will move west to talk about the Crimson Tide. Britton, let's talk about these last two weeks, a 2-2 two and two, uh, split, if you will. Two weeks ago, two wins. One over ETSU on the road, another over Western Carolina at home, which was also the baby race. I don't, you obviously didn't get to see that. You're in the locker room Real at shame. halftime, yeah. but that was fun. Um, you've been a part of two programs of the baby race now. And then this week, two losses, one at Furman, the next at Wofford. So you were home after uh, a long week away. Take us through, uh, let's go back to the ETSU game. Take us through ETSU and then Western Carolina and kind of where we stand right now. As I said, Sanford 8-2 and two in conference play in the SOCON, 14-9 and nine overall. Yeah, um, starting with ETSU, that was, that was a great road win um, to get us to 7-0 and in, in league play. Uh, just had guys step up in a big way. and um, You know, Bubba Parham was fantastic on Jordan King, who's their main uh, offensive threat. He had a 40-piece earlier in the year, so uh, Bubba held him to four points, and one of them was literally off of the tip that he got a layup. So two points, really. Um, Bubba absolutely shut him down, and that was a huge key to our success. Also, Logan died is another fantastic game for him. Um, yeah, and uh, again, seventh win in a row at the time. That was huge. Um, and then we followed that up with another win at Western or against Western at home. Um, so really, we were feeling really, really good coming into this week, and it was a long uh, road stretch, and we knew it was coming. But uh, a couple of tough losses, and. Uh, yeah, I still really like where we're at, but it's definitely it's definitely something where we got to take every game and and uh, make the most of it now. Yeah, Bucky's message has always been: you've got to win your home games, and if you can take a few on the road, you're going to be in a really good position come time for the conference tournament this year. And always, the SoCon is played in Asheville, North Carolina. So talk about that approach. Obviously. Uh, number one now falling to number two, you know, hovering in the top three teams in the SoCon. What's your approach? Because as we mentioned, this was a long week, two road games, um, trying to shake off that Furman loss and then struggling, uh, but but putting up a good effort to come back and bring the game within four at Wofford. Talk about this week playing on the road and just the importance of um, not not only trying to get those wins, but but how much effort and what it takes to play on the road uh, in, in a conference game and try and pull out a win. Yeah, um, it's really interesting because a lot of times you'll you'll go to a gym and you won't necessarily have a, a huge crowd. Not say the same at you know at Bama, like you you'd go up play at Missouri on a Wednesday night and like there wouldn't be that many people. But there's something about playing on the road where I don't know if it's just comfort in your home gym or what it is, but to win on the road takes uh, tremendous toughness, mental and physical, tremendous resiliency. Um, you just really 
have to go in there with incredible togetherness. Uh, like it's us and nobody else, and we are here to overcome all the obstacles that are come, going to come our way because you play on the road. Unless it's like the LSU game a couple uh, years ago where you just blow them out of the gym from from the jump, like you're you're bound to face adversity at some point or another. And so just the ability to overcome that and to um, persevere through things, uh, it, it takes a really tight group and a really tough group. And and so far in league play, I'd say overall we're successful in that. Um, obviously, I'm saying that coming off of two road losses, but um, I think we, we saw where we still have room to grow in the Furman game, although I think we put up a tremendous fight against a really good team. Um, I think, you know, not favored in that game, having a tie game with a chance to win late, you know, on the road at, at one of the one of the better teams. And, and they made a pretty good environment for a weeknight game. Um, no doubt. Th- you put yourself in a really good position, never bowed out, and uh, forcing the game in, into overtime, not having as many opportunities, per se, I can say this because I'm not a player, as you would uh, at home with maybe some calls one way or another. but uh, That is William Galloway speaking and yeah, not Britton Johnson. Yeah, just, just objectively, like from having seen the game, we'll call a spade a spade here. Um, but, you know, I mentioned the term valiant effort just a couple minutes ago. That That, that is what it was. Uh, obviously, he didn't get the win, so it really is all in vain. But um, that's what it takes. That's the effort it takes. And, like, being down big at Wofford, coming back, bringing the game within four with a couple minutes to go, uh, not every team in the state who <laughs> we'll talk about, you know, gave in uh, and, and is able was able to have a successful second half the, uh, yesterday. So, there's 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 value in in knowing that you can come back on the road and and make it a contest after being down big. Yeah, and, and you know I'll, I'll touch on that in a second and to kind of start with the Furman game. As much as I'd love to say yes, like I think we showed a lot of good things because I, I do think we did. Like we left that game. I left that game feeling as good as ever that we have the best team in the SoCon despite a loss. Um, that's not to say that we're going to be the team winning on championship Sunday when it matters if we don't improve Um, those are two completely different statements I think we have the talent and we have the personnel and the coaching to win a championship in this league but I think we saw areas that we really have to grow in before we can be a champion Um, and I'm grateful for that because I would much rather have that now than have somehow dominated that game face no adversity and then you get to the semifinals or the championship and all of a sudden, you're smacked with adversity, and and we don't handle it well, and and we lose a chance to do something that's never been done before in school history, just because we weren't faced with that test earlier enough, and we didn't get exposed to that early enough. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, I do think we have a lot of room to grow in, in our our togetherness, and like I said, like what we're being asked to do is not something that is common. What we're, what we're trying to achieve is not something that is common. So um, that's not to say that I don't think we have a tough team or a, a together team. Like I, I think we have both of those things. We have to improve in both of those aspects still um, if we're going to be a po- at a point where we just will not be denied. Because um, that's what it was. I mean, we, we were up three with, what was it, 20 seconds left, 30 seconds left. Um, and, and credit to Jalen Salson, hit an unbelievable step back three. Um basically to send it to overtime and and uh they all dueled us in overtime and so hats off to them for that 
Um, I think, you know, this game is still going as uh, we're recording this, but I think that they are about to beat UNC Greensboro uh, at UNC Greensboro. So that, just a fantastic week for Furman. Um, but, it, you know, it's good for a number of reasons. One is that that's a that's a team that we will likely – I know we'll see again for a fact because we're going to play them again in the regular season. But uh, if we're going to achieve something special, we'll likely have to go through them or a, a team very similar to them. Um, and so to have that test and, and to have an opportunity to – still have nine games, ten games to grow from it um, is, is really good. Uh, moving on to Wofford. Hold uh, on. Furman, Furman beat UNC Greensboro 69-57 today, so that completes the this week uh, in, in the SOCON, and we'll pick up on Wednesday night. But that, that puts Furman not necessarily in the driver's seat, but a little bit yeah. more in control. Uh, maybe a three-way tie for first now, if, if I'm correct on that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's, uh, st- there's st- in in all reality, there's still eight games left to play, seven games left to play, whatever it is. So, it you know, it's still any man's game. You got to go and you got to win. Got to go one and zero. You know, twice a week till the end of February. Yeah, the beauty of it for us is, I think, out of those three teams, I think to an extent, all three teams have an ability to control their own destiny and put themselves in a position for at least a split of a uh, regular season title. We are the only team with outright control of our own destiny because we play both of those teams again at home. Um, and so should we win those games and should we win out? And that's a lot to ask for. Look, we, we're coming off two losses, so I'm not trying to get ahead of myself or anything. It's just to say that should those things happen, we'd be the only two-loss team, right? Like The other teams, because they just played each other and because they split, um, hypothetically they could both be two losses at the end of it and have a share of the title. Um, so yeah, uh, again, congrats to Furman on a fantastic week. Uh, I really look forward to seeing them in the Pete in about a month. I think it's gonna be a fantastic atmosphere and a, and another great game. I mean, if you watch that game, uh, that's about as high level as you're going to get for, for mid-major basketball. So it was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, and then moving on to Wofford, uh, they jumped out on us early. Obviously we got the best of them at home. Um, and I really don't think that there was too much arrogance on our end, um, I'd like to think. Because, you know, when you beat a team by 25, 30 at home, it's easy to think, oh, well, we'll take care of them on the road or when we see them again. And um, they shot the lights out of it. Uh, I think they shot over 50% from three. If It might have gone under 50% in the last couple minutes. But for the vast majority of the game, it was over 50. Um, and they are making their free throws. And, you know, they got good, good players. Uh, I love the fight that we showed, but I also um, we didn't play very well defensively. And if you don't take every game seriously, and I'm not saying we didn't, but if you don't play your best every game, expect to lose. Um, that's a reality. Um, again, we were down 16 points at half. Uh, showed unbelievable fight and character and resiliency. All the things I said that it takes to even have a chance to win on the road. Um, to get it to three or four points with a minute or two left and half shots that would have either tied it or put us down one. Um, and it just didn't go our way at the end. But at the same time, um, to get it back to that point, I think it it showed us, if we, if we didn't already know from the chat game, that we are never out of a game. And um, that's something that's really fun about the way we play is that you know we can adapt to any style, we can adapt to any type of game, and we are never out of a game. So, you know, you play Stanford, you're going to get 40 minutes of our best shot. 
Absolutely. So you've got at Western Carolina this Wednesday. Saturday, you're hosting East Tennessee State. The following Wednesday, February 8th, you're at Mercer, and then you return home Saturday the 11th to face the Citadel, rolling out the rest of the schedule. UNC Greensboro at home at VMI at Chattanooga, closing the regular season versus Furman in the Pete Hanna Center. So all conference games, all critical. Um, take them on a one-by-one game basis. And, you know, all of these outside of Furman are teams that you've beaten already. And so, you know, you know with no sense of entitlement that you're capable um, of getting the best of these teams. And you know you're capable of getting the best of Furman, too, because, the you know, the being able to come back, tie that game, having a chance to win, uh, puts you in a really good position in that game just this past Wednesday. All right, any final notes on Samford and things that students, fans, um, and supporters of the program need to know before we jump to the Crimson Tide? Yeah, like you said, you know, we have a third straight road game coming up, but after that we'll have a home game on Saturday. And if you have not been to a Sanford basketball game, William, you can attest to this. Um, the students are back. They are they are unbelievable. It's an unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, if you're in the Birmingham area and you're looking for something to do Saturday, I, I promise you will not be disappointed coming to watch us play. Um, and even if you're not a big basketball person, which I imagine you would be if you're listening to this podcast, um, it's just a fun place to be on a Saturday. Would you, would you agree to that? I mean, Saturday, Saturday, two p.m. versus Tennessee State. I've told Anna. I've told people. Told my roommates. You know, this is uh, my my Saturday revolves around Bama. Excuse me, not not Bama. Last year it was Bama. Sanford playing East Tennessee State. Uh, Bama will have a game Saturday as well. But the East Tennessee State game takes precedence, in my opinion. Ah, good it, man. Yeah, good man. This year it does. <laughs> um, so, anyways. We're very excited about this upcoming schedule. Um, any, any notes that you can talk about from the recent Western Carolina game that you want to change? You know, things that y'all want to change or do better that you didn't do uh, the first time around that you now have the chance to do on Wednesday? Um, you know, I think that we're still working on being the best version of ourselves right now. I think you know, it sounds like a really, like, I don't know, robotic answer to an extent. Um, but we saw it against Wofford. We didn't guard the ball well. Um, and if we play that way at Western, we will get dismantled because they play a five-out uh, dribble-drive offense. That That's how they beat Furman. Like, they, they just absolutely – Furman couldn't stop any of their guys. Um, and so if we can't stay in front of guys, I think we'll really struggle, and I think we're going to get back to uh, being us starting Monday. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. The Sanford Bulldogs, 14-9 and overall, 8-2 and in conference play with eight games left to play in the regular season before the conference tournament in Asheville, North Carolina. The Alabama Crimson Tide sit at 18-3 and overall on the year, un- an undefeated 8-0 and in conference play, a tough, tough loss yesterday on the road at Oklahoma in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. The, the SEC got absolutely manhandled by the Big 12. That was probably to be expected, but the SEC won three games out of ten, giving the Big 12 the advantage in yesterday's contest. Britain, the games were simultaneously going, 1 o'clock central tips. Uh, I had was fortunate to sit on the couch <laughs> and watch both games and, and stream it at the same time, but uh, what have you seen from Alabama as of late? Because it hasn't been trending upwards as it had been um, on that ridiculously long win streak. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and we're not going to get into it uh, much, but 
I am shocked at all that they were able to play at a high level following the events of the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they came out and they won their first two after that, won their first three. I mean, they they responded incredibly well. Uh, this is to be expected of even great teams. I know a lot of Alabama fans, uh, they, they see us lose one game and maybe even get blown out one game, and it's all of a sudden, you know, the sky is falling. Uh, this isn't football, and I, I almost need to keep reminding people of that, that this happens in college basketball to even the best programs, the best teams. Um, and, you know, over the course of the season, every there's a reason that nobody's gone undefeated in college basketball and won a national title in since like 75, it's mid-70s Indiana. Um, it's it's not to say it's impossible because I guess, you know, Gonzaga made a good run at it, but, I mean, nobody does it. So even the best teams drop one. Um, you know, road atmospheres are real. Um, and Alabama's and, played three out of their last four, counting that game Saturday at Norman on the road. Right. Which and, is there's some elephant element of fatigue there. Yeah, it's just – Getting up for every game, it's hard to do. And that's not to excuse the guys. Um, you know, I think they're unbelievable competitors and they're an unbelievable team, and I think they'll be just fine. Uh, Joe Lenardi, uh, all these bracketology guys are even saying they're not even dropping a spot for this game. Uh, so I want to calm down all the Alabama fans who are maybe trying to press the panic button a little bit right now. That's not to say that there aren't problems that need to be addressed. I can't speak to that game a ton because I didn't get to watch it because it was being played at the exact same time as the Sanford game. Um, I did see a lot of uh, tweets about it, so I, I feel like I got a decent feel for how the game went. Um, but the one thing I'll say on top of that is is don't overreact to the Big 12 SEC Challenge uh, on an individual game basis. Uh, I, I think it's probably a pretty accurate representation of where the conferences are at this year. We thought the SEC was going to be the best league in the country. Uh, and outside of Bama and Tennessee, I'd say the top is just isn't what we thought it was going to be in the SEC, whereas the Big 12 is phenomenal. Um, so it's not shocking that, that they won and, and that they won in pretty comfortable fashion uh, as a league, league, league to league. Um, but I don't think Alabama's ever won on the road in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. You can correct me if I'm wrong in that. Um, not in recent years, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I know in, in you know the four years I played, it was two wins, two losses, and the two wins were at home and the two losses were on the road. Um it's a hard game, and you can look at it across the league. I think outside of uh, Kansas beating Kentucky, where I think there's a pretty considerable talent team level difference, and Texas Tech, LSU, which I just think LSU is a bad basketball team. Um, Agreed. You hate, you hate to see that, though. I just hate it for those guys. You know, really tough. No, um, but I think outside of those two games, and again, I might be wrong. I'm not looking at it right now. Every other team won at home. And that's a pretty accurate representation of what you're looking at because you're looking at a game. It's not to say that the guys don't care about it. They want to win. They want to win every game. But compared to the conference games, which really count towards something, you're playing. You're pl- just plopping a non-conference game right in the middle of this conference slate you have in a true road game for a team like Alabama playing a team like Oklahoma that looks like a bubble team perhaps. Um who had nothing to lose, who came and out firing on all cylinders, physically especially. And I don't really sit here and, and want to make excuses. And I think Alabama fans, we can talk about this for a second because I, I hint at this all the time. But, man, you beat Houston, and you're like, build the arena, raise my taxes, I don't care. 
And then you lose to Oklahoma, and you get tweets like, we're not going to win more than two games the rest of the season. It just There's a, a wide, wide spectrum of fandom of Alabama fans, and that's because, frankly, Alabama fans don't know basketball. The phrase that's trending now is they don't know ball. And it's so frustrating to see because you see, you know, when you're when you're high and you're rolling, you're on a win streak, everyone's with you. And then you start losing or maybe you lose one and all of a sudden people start jumping on you. That's just that's because they don't know anything. Yeah. And, and before I ask you what you saw in the game specifically, um, and, and there's a lot of that that I agree with you on. I will say to backtrack a little bit, looking at that Mississippi State crowd, um, on a Wednesday night in Coleman Coliseum, I was so impressed. And, you know, hats off to the Alabama fans and supporters for showing out for this team. They deserve it. Um, and it was dang near a sellout on a Wednesday night. The students packed it out. Um, the place was jumping. And, you know, I think if it was a normal Wednesday midweek crowd, Alabama probably doesn't win that game. Yeah. Um, you know, the crowd really gave them the boost that they needed. So um, that's what we need more of. And, and, I think that that says a lot about the fact that this, the Alabama supporters, the Alabama fan base, really is trying to support this team well. Right. Um, but and there is a learning. Curve. I mean, they're they're eighteen. A lot of them eighteen years old. You know, eighteen yeah. to, to twenty two year olds, uh, in in our age range, and they're not. This isn't the NBA All Star team. Just because Alabama is number two, at last weekend, arguably the number one team in the country, that doesn't mean that they're going to be, like you said, 75 Indiana, go undefeated, win every game, blow everyone out of the water, and Brandon Miller's going to have 35 yeah. points a game. Right. That's not how this. That's not how college right. basketball happens. It's not like 2011, let's say 2012, Alabama football, where it's just joyless murder ball, and you're just killing people over and over Although and over and over. we've seen a lot of it. We've seen a lot of it this year, which is really impressive. But, exactly. You know, we've been saying it for weeks. This team is phenomenal. They have a chance to to do incredibly special things that have never been done at Alabama before. They're not going eighteen and zero in SEC, and and they still have a chance to. And, and I and would br- love nothing more than for them to prove me wrong. And Brandon Miller is capable of being the best player in college basketball. Arguably, I would say probably is, and and will and should be the number two draft pick coming up this later this spring. That doesn't mean, like I said, he's going to score 35 a game. That doesn't mean he's not going to get locked up or have a bad shooting night. You know, you look at the the trends of the season this year. A lot of games, great performances in the second half. Some games he came out firing to get shots off early, couldn't get them. Some games he did. Uh, there's just a lot that you've got to examine and think about in the game of basketball. When you're playing two games a week against high-level competition, home games, road games, and when this is it's kind of like Alabama football in the sense that and I hate to say that but you're you're the you're the hunted now you're no longer the hunter you right. have become the one of the top teams in college basketball so you're getting everyone's best as evidence of Oklahoma storming the court against Alabama say, yesterday was a little piece of you like a little little proud or a little I don't want to say happy but it was a silver lining for sure to see another team storm the court against Alabama I mean after you know investing in that program for four years to see what it's been built into now yeah um that was pretty special for me and obviously it's this team it's not it's not anything I did but just knowing that it's been built up into this uh, the, to this point is, it, is so it's cool. one of those things where you see that and you kind of look around and I looked at JD we were watching the game together and I was like dude we've arrived yeah they stormed the court against us that's yeah. incredible right I, I agree and um 
you know, for Alabama fans worried about this maybe small dip in performance, you know, obviously we struggled against Mississippi State. We're down for the majority of that game. Huge run late. Uh, just pushed to, to go up. Um, I'd say that this happens, again, to every great team. You look at two years ago when I we were Final Four good two years ago. Um, yeah. And, and it didn't work out that way, but we were good enough to go to the Final struggled, Four. Struggled shooting versus UCLA. Um, Right, and and again, we don't need to bring up the horrors that was that Sweet 16 game, uh, although it did have some great moments. The in hundreds it. of dollars I lost <laughs> in travel expenses, not in gambling. Of course, of course. Um, but all all that was to say is that you know that team went 16 and two in SEC play, won the SEC, so 19 and two overall because we won the three games in the SEC tournament. And there were some games we won, but we're kind of struggle wins. We went on an unbelievable stretch where we. We're kind of blowing out everyone like this Alabama team is, was, however you want to say it, um, including that 30-point romping at LSU, um, including uh, just a romping of Arkansas at home. Like, good teams that we were just kind of beating the crap out of, yeah. honestly. And then, we, you know, we beat Kentucky at, by 20 at Rupp, and then we played them again at home, and we kind of struggled. And we played Mississippi State, and we kind of struggled. And it's like we had a three- or four-game stretch where it's like, Ooh, and we we lost Oklahoma on the road. Very similar deal. Um, yeah, and they didn't have I think one of their best players, or Austin Reeves, who's now in the Lakers, uh, didn't play that game, and and they still beat us. The, uh, the Mississippi State game on Wednesday to me is indicative of what a semifinal SEC game could be, in that you're playing your second game in two days. Which, granted, the team you're playing could possibly be playing their third in three days. But you turn around, you probably get Tennessee on the other side of the bracket in the championship. You're going three games in three days. Mm-hmm. You're playing really quality competition, and you have just got to find a way to win. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter who. 100%. Someone's got to hit some shots. You've got to have a handful of guys be those blue-collar, you know, I'm going to get all the blue-collar points no matter what, um, that that type effort. And, and, and yep. you know, someone's got to step up. And, and not to say that the Oklahoma game Saturday doesn't count, but – I think at Alabama found themselves within 10, which, you know, they did at some point. Um, but late within 10, there could have yeah. been an effort. And I think there was an effort. I don't think – I'm not excusing anything and saying that the foot was let off the Again, gas. you saw it, I didn't. So right. you can speak on it way better than I can. But, but th- th- there was no way being down late consistently with the way that Alabama was playing yesterday that they really reasonably had a chance to come back, capitalize, get on top, and stay on top. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been blessed to be on some really great teams going back to high school. And um, when you play two games a week and you're constantly going, uh, you know, I, I heard Ryland Griffin after the game say something along the lines of, you know, we had some arrogance to us that we thought we were pretty unbeatable. Um, and, and that was pretty, I mean, big of a freshman to say that, you know, that Coach Oates was right. He was warning us. He was right. right. Um, and I know how Oates is, and I know he was – he was saying all those things. He was ringing those alarm bells, uh, maybe, and, and guys weren't fully listening. Um, I think there's maybe an element of that arrogance, uh, but I think there's also an element of of mental fatigue that kind of comes in when you're just constantly playing these games and you're constantly predicted to win. And uh, when you're beating the crap out of teams, it's fun, but when you, when you start having to hold on to these wins – yeah. Uh, it drains you. Um, Saban says something like, "You don't appreciate winning until you lose." Yeah, you know, you appreciate winning more when you lose than when you win. Yeah, that's that's the epitome of it. And I think 
Nate was asked about complacency, uh, and he either said something. I think it was like after the Arkansas game or after the LSU game, and it's I think it was before the day before the Vandy game. He said, "You know, we'll see. It, it's going to hit these guys one way or another." Essentially saying, "We're not perfect. We're not going to win every game that we play this year." And and these guys, you know, either keep this up or you find out. Well, Alabama found out. Yeah, and and again, and what a of- what a good game to find out. I was going to say the same thing. You know, this doesn't hurt their SEC record or standing in any way. Um, great time for a reset. And I think, honestly, it's going to sound weird when I say this, but when you're rising the rankings like they do, they did in their, you know, top two in the country, and every team's basically looking up at them in the rankings, um, to lose in a way is almost an exhale. It's almost a because it's not college football where a lo- a loss is just oh you're done your season's done, they're likely going to be a one or two seed in March. Um, this doesn't affect any of that, and so to kind of be able to reset and be like okay we're going to go back to hunting, um, I think it'll be good for them. I, I think this loss will serve them well, um, and I feel bad. I think it's Bandy on Wednesday, at home. Yeah, they're going to get a whooping. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for that. Uh, over team. under on point seven five Jerry Stackhouse technical fouls. I think he get. I think he'll get one. I was gonna say, do you want to put the number at point eight three? Uh, Nate Oates plus Jerry Stackhouse technicals. Ooh, I like that. I like um, that. It's like you've done this before. Yeah, which if you know anything about lines, you know that the difference between a .75 line and a .83 line is zero because it's either one or nothing. But um, I think I might take the over on that because uh, someone's going to get riled up between those two. Yep. Yep. Um, so that'll be Agreed. a fun one. So, so Alabama's got uh, Vanderbilt in, in Tuscaloosa, then go into Baton Rouge on Saturday for a 3 p.m. tip-off versus the Bayou Bengals. Joe Burrow's Bayou Bengals. I can't believe you're cheering for the Bengals today. I'm not dude. really cheering for. I don't really care, honestly. But Joe I, Burrow's I got some swag. Joe Burrow is. And I don't. I don't really have a team in the NFL. I guess I'd say the Eagles this year because Jalen and Devontae. But yeah. he's cool. And now that he's not playing against Alabama, I appreciate it. He's got some swag. He's got some drip. Um, yeah. Britain. Last thing before we go. And before I gave you the final word here on the Main Streets podcast, $1.3 million NIL valuation that two players wanted from Alabama that Saban, you know, opened the door for him and said, you're not getting that. You can you can hit the road. As a student athlete, could you fathom walking up to your coach, walk up to Bucky McMillan, who you've known since, like, you were in first grade, right? and being like, hey, and, and let's dumb down the numbers here for, for evaluation. Right. Let's say, hey, Bucky, I want an eight thousand dollar valuation for nil i need an eight thousand dollar deal or i'm walking out the door of course he would push you out the door he wouldn't show you the door he would shove you out the door yeah how the audacity that you know it's crazy that's kind of college athletics at at the highest level to an extent these days and i don't think it's gonna get any better uh unless there's some way to kind of regulate it some um, no, the funniest to me, and we were kind of talking about this before recording, was, and we have a good idea of who it is. We're not going to. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious if you have any research ability at all, because it took me two Instagram searches. Um, but anyways, the the one that asked for his girlfriend to be admitted in 
not only be admitted, but be given like a full scholarship to the University of Alabama's law school. Um, I, it was just funny. Like, and, and honestly, if it had worked out for him, I would have say, hey, you know, good move. Good, like, good for good, good for him. asking. You know, you know that, you're you're a really good boyfriend. Hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty to to sit here and and be critical, but good for him for asking. You know. Yeah, I mean, because athletes, especially Alabama football athletes, get so much out of what they want yeah. that you know. You Honestly, might've, he might have just asked the wrong person. Ex- if, he yep. asked, if he asked not Nick Saban and said some like super influential booster, they'd be like, it, "Yeah, yes, indirectly." And all of a sudden, his girlfriend's into law school. You never know. Um, I haven't seen it firsthand. Although, um, look, some of these athletes who are in, incredibly special uh, people and athletes, uh, they have a way of kind of getting what they want in a lot of circumstances. So. Um, I can't speak to that because I have not benefited from a lot of those things. If you get eight hundred thousand um, dollars, please give me yes two percent. I don't mean to sound desperate, but I there are very few things I wouldn't co-sign for eight hundred thousand dollar nil deal. Um, I I do have values that I, I would hope I would stick to as as a Christian, but um, I mean, look, eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, I mean. Please and that help. Eight hundred thousand dollars is eight hundred thousand dollars. Let's is. let's it be is. honest here. It is. Um, so look, uh, it's only going to get worse. There's got to be some legislation. There's got to be some concept of where this is, you know, brought back in. I think Saban used the reference. You know, you, you open the gate, so to speak. Yeah. And there was no parameters. There was no restrictions, and there were no restrictions. And. They just opened the gate and they said, "All right, run wild, go ahead and do it." And it it fell. It fell really hard. Yeah. I always go back to the the Milo's market just from a marketing view yeah. because I I'm a I'm a marketing guru. Of course. And uh, the Milo's signing Bo Nix, and then waiting eight hours to say you were signing another Alabama player, or an an in-state Alabama player mm-hmm. in uh, Malachi Moore. So for eight hours, Alabama fans canceled Milo's. Yeah, like that. That was that was dumb. Some people, not me. Uh, again, Milo's. If you have any money, um, I'm not a desperate man, but I'll do a lot of things for an NIL deal with you guys. We are young, hungry individuals. Yes. The the Mega Meal combo does wonders for my stomach. We would chase a bag, no doubt about it, from Milo's, no doubt about it, in both senses of the word, financial. Yes. Yeah, it's healthy too, and you know a Jeremy Pruitt type bag. And, and a bag that's just full of food. Um, speaking of Alabama's future defensive coordinator, you know. Yeah, roll tide, Jeremy Pruitt. Can't <laughs> wait to have you back. Oh, man. A man can dream, right? Hey, supporting the local economy by buying a uh, F-150 from a local Ford dealership. Which definitely 100% proves he just got hired, right? And definitely isn't just him buying a truck in his hometown. Yeah, like when I go get groceries down the street in my uh, local Winn-Dixie, because it's closest to my house and it's affordable like that. Oh, oh. What and does that mean? Was, if it, I had any sort of fame, like even to his level, which, you know, outside of his relevance to sports, it's not like he has just a, a, an incredible amount of celebrity. I would screw with people so much. Oh, I, totally. Maybe that's what he did. And honestly, I respect the heck out of it. What would you do? Like, like say you were trying to transfer somewhere. Say this was like last year and you were – I you, would just you had, like, Her, you had Herb Jones level, uh, level ability playing the game of basketball. See, it, and you like could stay at Alabama one more year, or you were like going to transfer to like Kansas or something. 
I don't think I'd do it for that because I would something that I've always kind of strove um, that I always strive for is to um, represent the university and as well as I can and, and the fan base as well as I can and because I always want to be on their good side. Um, so if I make you guys angry, just let me know. But uh, but I will say I'd be like Lane Kiffin uh, on Twitter in a lot of ways. <laughs> tweeted RTR like, the other day. I just like tweet like before I got an NIL with deal with someone, I would just like tweet pictures of like food and just I wouldn't tag them. They say no no free clout, but this is a good like I don't know I'd, I'd mess with people and a I'd, restaurant or something yeah or like, I'd like 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 Kiffin does the whenever he's recruiting like the airport yeah the or airport the high school. ones are hilarious those are great he, or like a county sign he's like I'm in Choctaw County there was there was one tweet recently about Jeremy Pruitt possibly reconnecting in Alabama and he has quote tweeted it and said RTR exclamation point yeah and I was like this dude's just he under he gets it he gets, he gets it. it he knows how to play the game um and that's that's half the battle so. Um, the king hat, of Twitter, Lane Kiffin. Hat, hat tip to Lane Kiffin there. Absolutely. Uh, last word here on the podcast. I'm William Galloway. Britain, take it away and uh, send us home for another couple weeks as we close out this episode of the Main Streets podcast. Yeah, Tide, Tide have a game uh, upcoming, uh, midweek home game. Support them. Support the Bulldogs on Saturday. Uh, roll Tide, go Bulldogs. <laughs>